0: For the devotion, um, I've, I've got the uh, devotion out of uh, Jesus Calling, and it starts with Psalm 95, which is one of my favorite psalms. Come, let us sing to the for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods, and in his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though so they had seen what i did for 40 years i was angry with that generation i said these are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways so i declare on my on my oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest come to me for all that you need come into my presence with thanksgiving for thankfulness opens the doors to my treasures when you are thankful You affirm the central truth that I am good. I am light in whom there is no darkness at all. The assurance that I am entirely good meets your basic need for security. Your life is not subject to the whims of a sin-stained deity. Relax in the knowledge that the one who controls your life is totally trustworthy. Come to me with confident expectation. There is nothing that you need that I cannot provide. Oh, wouldn't it have been wonderful if the Israelites had believed that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the uh, care and concern that you have for each one of us and for all your people, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for this rain and the beautiful earth that you have given us. And thank you, Lord, for the most beautiful gift of all, your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, when I was when I was a kid, and, and even in my early twenties and thirties, I really didn't like the um, the Lutheran services very much. But as I got into reading Scripture more, I just began to be thankful for the the way that our liturgy is structured around Scripture. Yeah. In that passage of of, of Psalm ninety five, I could. I almost had to sing
1: that song. One of the things that I loved about the new hymnal when it came out, and that was what, 2006, I think, mm-hmm. is if you, is you're looking through the service. Yeah. Over on the right side, um, it has the scripture references for everything. So you oh, look nice. at it and just see how deeply rooted the liturgy is in scripture. Yeah. And you know these aren't just words we're throwing together; it's God's words that we're speaking back to them, which I think is really cool. Right.
0: I think sometimes we miss that in in church that we just don't understand how much of yeah of what we've put together is truly yeah. from Scripture and how beautiful yeah. that is. Okay, let's see. I was going to ask if you had any questions from last week. <laughs> uh, you know, our lesson was about was about. Uh, how God takes care of His people. Um, it was only one month into the Exodus, where we are right now. Um, the Israelites started complaining uh, in chapter sixteen: no food; it wasn't as good as in Egypt. And then God sent His provisions in manna and quail. So in this lesson, we're on uh, the Israelites are on the move again, in and around the desert of Sinai, which. I think you showed some pictures of that last week, Pastor, but Mm -hmm. the desert of of, uh, Sinai is a pretty barren place. And, you know, even though I saw a few little um, blades of of weeds or grass or small plants, I I can't I can't fathom how they fed their sheep and their cattle off that land during that time. Yeah. Or did they not have I thought they did have some, didn't they? Didn't they? Oh, yeah. No, they definitely did. Egyptians
2: yeah they definitely did um for you know i was thinking too you know it says you know on on this on on uh, i guess it'd be friday for them the day before the sabbath they're supposed to to bake what they would bake and boil what they would boil and i'm looking at your pictures pastor going with what fuel for a fire (laughs) like i mean baking sure you put it on a rock and let it sit in the sun i lived in vegas i know how that works but yeah. How do you start a fire to boil anything? Yeah, exactly. Nothing to burn. Yeah, Matt, um, I'm going to share something
1: real quick. I'll show you. This is, I think, one of the coolest pictures. This is the Wilderness of Zen, um, which is where they were wandering for those 40 years. This is the one picture that's, like, not that, not what we were thinking of or what we are talking about. And can you all see that? Did that come through Yeah. To you? yeah, yeah. yeah so- so that, this is one of my favorite pictures that I took when I was in Israel, because it's like in the midst of the desert and what you think of in terms of the wilderness, there was this little, you know, water hole kind of yes. green, some space. spring of some sort. Yeah, it was, I think it was a spring. Yeah, just sort of cut into that gorge. Um, and, and, you know, it was like one of those, it was like a little oasis of, of, cool air because it was in the shade mostly and a little bit of water and all the greenery and stuff. And to me, it was just like, wow, that's the place where you can find rest. You know,
0: I just well, that you know, that was, if you look at a relief map of the Sinai Peninsula, uh, as you get down to the tip on the southern tip down there, which is close to where they were, uh, you, you have a lot of greenery down there on that relief map. And I assume that you have coastal rains that come in off of the seas there right but it looks to me like they may have been like 80 miles inland um so i guess my question was why do you think god kept them in that desolate area
1: mm-hmm. i i gotta think part of it was just you know helping to train them to trust in him yeah, yeah. You know, that, that he's, he's putting them in a situation where they have to rely on him to provide for their needs. And it's a, it's a way of kind of, you know, forming them or, or modifying their hearts to trust so you, in him.
0: And think look if they him. were further down towards the coast, they might not have seen God's hand in everything. Right, yeah, yeah. That's possible.
2: Well, and it's, yeah, speaking from current experience, what, uh, you know, God often puts, likes to put us in situations that kind of feel like a bit of a wilderness where you're, you're finally forced to uh, yeah. rely on him and to, you know, to, to look to him for answers and whatnot. So, yeah, um, I can kind of understand what God's doing there. <laughs> I can understand how, how the Israelites feel a little bit. I would say the scariest prayer, second only to God
1: give me patience. Is God teach me to trust in you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because
1: <laughs> he's like, <laughs> great. In a situation where you've got to. Uh
0: huh. You know, I think yeah. that's different for every believer, too. But I think God does want us to not only have faith, but to develop that strong trust yeah. in Him that He can provide everything that we need. Right. And I know that's hard. You know, that's really hard sometimes to, to mm-hmm. develop. That. Well, humans
2: learn best by experience. You know, we can read from a book all you want, but until you're in a situation, yeah,
0: do it. That's, that's where you learn best. To hit the nail on the head with that, Cameron. Because you're <laughs> right. Until you've experienced it, until you've prayed and, and had God answer your prayers, you just don't know. Yeah. Well, I remember. So
2: I, I, uh, I got hung up on a girl in college. I, I thought she was the one. You know, she broke up with me, heart crushed. You know, spent the rest of college pining after her. And I, I made the mistake. I said, as Pastor just mentioned, I made I made the, the the prayer you're not supposed to pray, right? I said, okay, God, just give me give me patience, you know, for the one, you know, for the girl. So all throughout college, no, you know, no real relationships, and I, and I spent four years here with no real relationships, and and finally at a youth conference in Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> I met a girl that was currently in Nashville. <laughs> so God was was playing around there a little bit. So you were
0: dating though, right? I was dating when? Well, I mean during high school and college and oh well,
2: college not so much. Like I said I was pining after that girl man, I thought she was I thought she was the mamma jamma, so oh.
0: that was during college or during high school.
2: That was during college. Okay. We dated my sophomore year and she broke up with me over Christmas break.
0: Oh, a great time. All right. right. (laughs) On
2: the phone, of course. Nice.
0: But it
1: wasn't a text message, I hope.
0: Uh, We were, text messaging was still a little new. Okay. (laughs) All right. So today we're studying uh, Exodus 17, and it's just, just the first seven chapters of it. So I'll read it. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, oh, there you got it up there. I Quarred got you, Dave. Said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, again, why did you bring us up out of Egypt? to make us and our children and our livestock, there's a livestock, you're right, die of thirst. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? So that's our reading for today. Okay, the first question was, what do you suppose was the test that Moses refers to here? and how might we act foolishly in a similar way today
1: I I think the the test was that the people testing god whether he would actually provide for them right
0: yeah
2: when i was and talking I, about this with the with the youth actually on sunday um, which is why i love so much doing this beforehand is I, I get a brush up on everything. Yeah. Um, you know, but we kind of dived into that word grumbled that the last reading had, uh, you know, because we ask God for things, but the Bible very clearly says that they didn't ask, they grumbled against. Yeah. And it, it's kind of the same, uh, it's kind of the same wording here, I believe. Um.
0: Well, there's some part, somewhere else in Scripture where there was some grumbling going on, and God sent the destroying angel. And I've always taken that to heart. When you grumble, you're you're really testing God.
2: Well, and that was what we talked about in the uh, you study was what what is grumbling versus what is being honest and asking God for something because they're I think they're very different, right? I think. Grumbling is is kind of that complaining that oh, I can't believe God would do that to you know, where is this why why in the world would God do this to me uh, instead of hey God listen I'm I'm struggling right now I'm I'm hungry you know can can I please get some nourishment for for my body and I think there's a very clear difference there and the Bible makes it very clear that the Israelites were not being kind and asking God simply for you know for
0: something do you to wonder good. if they might have gone to. Uh, Moses and just said, "Would you please pray to God to give us some water?" Right. I mean, that's a different attitude. Right, and that's and what it came down, down to was, was God, hey, We had this back in Egypt. When are you going to give it to us?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So but, there's an interesting. So when I
1: when I went through the process to go to the seminary, um, part of that process involves an interview with with uh, some of the district folks to decide whether or not you know you're sort of suited to the ministry, and. I will never forget one of the people who was on that panel that interviewed me. I don't remember her name, but there was a whole discussion that we had about scripture and about kind of how you approach it and how you understand what God's doing. Um, And it, it goes beyond scripture, obviously, to how you interpret God's activity in your life. But, but what she said that stuck with me was, you know, we always should approach scripture and approach our lives with the expectation and the understanding that God is always the good guy. And that, and that he's always going to provide what's best for you and that he loves you and he cares about you. And this is an example of exactly the opposite, because the, the underlying sentiment is not... I wonder what god is up to i wonder how he's forming me or i wonder what he's you know doing that's good for me the underlying sentiment is shoot god's bringing me out here to try and kill me
2: mm. and
1: and that it's like a whole upside down mentality about how you approach god and how you understand him and that's that's i think that's what kind of the heart of the testing is is it's like you it's like you put God on trial or something rather than simply assuming that he's good and has your best interests at heart.
2: When I love, I think it was last week, pastor, you, you mentioned that, you know, I think it's, uh, I believe it says last week's that they said, uh, you know, we, in, in back in Egypt, we had pots of meat and all this bread. And I, you said, you you know, that they were, you know, rose tinted glasses were going on there. Like, Big time. They uh, weren't. They weren't sitting next to pots full of meat, like no. <laughs> and so they're even going to God, being like, you know, oh, we had it better back then than with you. No,
0: you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> so I put down a question. Put down a question. Do we put God to the test, and how so?
1: Yeah. I, and I, I think a lot of it is that. You know, the, it, it's the. It's that we make God our vending machine or our genie and we test to make sure that he'll give us what we want rather than accepting what he gives because we know it's good.
0: You know, I think that when you bear your heart to the Lord and you ask him for things, he's promised to give what we've asked for. Um, And I can't remember... A time in my life where I've asked for something that I haven't gotten an answer in some way. It wasn't always within a day or two. It was sometimes weeks, and, and in one instance that I remember real well, it took three years before I saw God's answer to a prayer. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I think God looks at our heart and sees the direction that that question and that request is coming from. And if it's coming from something grumbling,
1: um,
0: I don't think he's pleased with that type of a request. All right. But if there's an honest request, I think that he is lovingly going to answer us in every, every, every uh, request that we have.
1: Oops. OK, so it's interesting you brought that up because the gospel reading for this weekend it's from John chapter fifteen, and it's exactly what you're talking about. Um, it's, it's Jesus talking about I'm the vine, you're the branches, and you right. know all that kind of business. But as it gets to the verse six, uh, John fifteen verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, so so think about what it means to abide in Christ. He's thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. But verse seven, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. So it's a conditional thing, right? Right. That that what we ask of God, it doesn't give us everything we ask for. He gives us the things that are consistent and consonant with what what Jesus would wish for us to have. Right. Um, And there's always an answer. Like you said, I had a friend of mine who used to say that the answer is one of three things. It's either yes, no, or not yet. (laughs) 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 It's like, oh, Okay.
0: But so Chrissy said in a different way she says it's either yes no or I've got a better plan for you
1: yeah yeah sometimes that's right yeah Cameron yours is what eight years to get your answer
0: well and that's I, I was going to say like
2: it's very apt that this is our uh, what we're going through right now uh, for, for these Bible studies because you know I, I'm really having to watch what I pray right now uh, yeah. and not just be like you know hey God you need to give me some concrete lightning bolt you know from the sky telling me what to do and, and just be like you know instead just hey you know god if it is your will that there be some lightning bolt moment you know great but if you could make it very clear that would really help me out as to which you know which way i'm supposed to go like but i understand if you don't your will be done right you've, you've given you blessed me with two wonderful calls like they're both great you've given me very much and i'm very thankful and you know so try not to grumble about
0: the wonderful Karen, we, we've all been through that whether it's a call to um work in god's church or whether right. it's just a call to a different job we've all gone through that and it's so hard i know exactly yeah. what you're going through because that three three-year period was was o- over a job change no was and, it wasn't really yeah yeah that i asked god for a different job and i i interviewed all over the place and got some great responses and um Three years, I finally, I I told Christy, I said, I give up. (laughs) I'm not praying about it anymore. If God wants to do something, he can do it. And sure enough, about two months later, I got three offers. (laughs) Wow. My time. next section. Reflection question. When God shows up in visible form before his people, as in this case, it generally signifies something major going on. What might be the significance of God's presence here at this miracle? I thought that was an interesting question. God's presence. God told Moses, go here and I will be there. Yeah. Why did he say that he would be there? Why why was his presence important?
1: You know, a couple of things come to my head. The first one is that what the people are demanding is that God provide for them, and and He's going to work a miracle to do exactly that. But I think He wants to make it clear that it ain't Moses who's making this happen; it's Him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so He's willing right. to to appear before them um, in a way that's kind of unusual, so that they understand where the provision is coming from.
2: Yeah, I was I was actually on the same the same wave wavelength there a little bit. You know, because it says that. Uh, man, you know, I wish I, I should just pull it up. Um, in in, Gen- in Exodus 16, last week, um, didn't it say they grumbled against God? Yeah. Specifically? And the whole guy grumbled against... No, never mind. Never mind. Okay. Yeah,
1: it does. Um, verse 8 um the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against Him. You're grumbling. Okay. Okay. True. So it happens later. Okay.
2: There we go. I read. I was reading earlier on. It said that the grumble against Moses and against Aaron. Yeah. Um. And this is pre. This is pre temple. This is pre. Right. The rules of you know only the highest of high priests can enter the holy of holies and and all that stuff. And I wonder if it, you know how much of this is. You know, you're looking to Moses and Aaron for these these you know for per, per, to provide you with something, but you should be looking at me. Oh, yeah. You're looking at God. Yeah, uh, and well, so you're going cool. to them and you're grumbling. You know, hey, you give us water, but it's God that gives water. Why don't you come to me and say, hey, God, please, we need water. Right. I wonder if well, it, I, there's something there. It
0: certainly could have worked that Moses was there alone and struck the rock and, and the water came out. I mean, you could have done it that way, too. Right. I thought maybe as the Israelites came out of Egypt, they were still, I, I, I don't know what happened in Egypt with the Egyptian gods. I don't know if they, uh, if the Israelites turned to the Egyptian gods or not. I don't know. I assume some of them may have.
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, and some of them didn't, maybe. Maybe there were some purists that still trusted in the Lord um so god showed himself as he took them out of egypt first with with the 10 plagues that occurred but as they got out into the wilderness god led them by the cloud and by this pillar of fire Mm -hmm. and then they got to the got got to the sea and what did they do right there at the sea grumbled (laughs) Grumble. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly how are they, That's what they did was get to the sea and grumble after god had taken them out of egypt and so okay okay i'll take care of this i will part these seas and provide you dry land to walk on right. even though it's been filled with water for thousands of years yeah they give you dry ground to walk across and then when they got to the other side what did they do Yeah, kept grumbling. Yeah, (laughs)
2: grumbled. What's it gonna take, you guys? Over
0: and over again. And so, you know, Moses said, you know, stretch. If you if you remember the scene from the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston stretching his arms out, and the the waves come back on all the Egyptian soldiers and horsemen there that were coming through, and and uh, so now that's a month later, and maybe maybe God's still wanting to show His presence physically to these people. So, so know, go uh, ahead. Your God.
2: So Lutheran Study Bible, gotta love it.
0: Yes, sir. Cheat, um, cheat. A little bit.
2: But this this brought yeah. up a very interesting point that I think plays into this question. Seventeen uh, four, uh, at least in ESV, is this people? Yeah. This people. So Moses cried to the Lord, "What shall I do with this people? Not your people, or not you know, not my people, right?" This people, um, you know, because as of yet, you know, I know God has said that they're they're chosen people, but they do not have faith yet. Right. Uh, you know, as as is seen by their constant grumbling. You know, this this whole God thing is kind of new to them, at least this particular God. Um, and and so he says, "This people, I I see Moses already kind of frustrated with." <laughs> a little
1: bit observation camera because that's not the first time that happened in fact a little bit later on probably about chapter i don't know 24 or so it's going to be the golden calf apostasy right Mm -hmm. he's going to be up on the on the mountains and they're going to it's it's maybe 19 it's not too long from now but moses is up on the mountains god's writing the 10 commandments on the tablets for him and he's up there for a long time And the people get all frustrated and they're like, I don't know, we don't think Moses is coming back. And so they go to Aaron and they make him, you know, they give him all their gold. and He makes this golden calf. And the interesting that happens, the thing that happens is God loses his mind. He just goes off on Moses and he calls him your people. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like, so all of a sudden God's like, Moses, these are, I'm not claiming these, these are yours. And it's Moses who kind of talks him down and says, no, 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 hang on. You made a promise to these people. right? And we're going to do something with it. But the whole idea of you know, whose people are these is kind of interesting. The other thing that hit me as we were talking through this is um, there's a tie-in. I mean, I think it's a little bit tenuous, but there's a tie-in here with how we understand the sacraments. And And, and essentially what it comes down to is if you want to if you want to receive blessings from God, then you got to go to the places where God promises He's going to be. And, and and so, for the Israelites at this moment in chapter 17, it's at the mountain at Horeb, at the rock at Horeb. I'm going to be there, and if y'all come there, I'm going to provide for you. And so when we when we shift that same kind of perspective to the sacraments, think about you know, what God promises to us in baptism and in holy communion, he says, I've promised I'm going to be there and I'm going to offer you forgiveness and and life and salvation through these. So Mm if you want to, if you want to receive God's blessings, come to the places where you know he's going to be. And first and foremost, that's the place where his word is preached and taught in its fullness and where his sacraments are administered correctly. It's the church. He's, right. that's where I'm going to be. And if you want to find him, come to the place that he's already promised to be. And right. I think that's kind of cool.
0: Interesting. You know, there's, there's, I think, another answer too in the last verse of this study where it says, um, he called the name of the place Masa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Yeah. Are you here or are you not? you know you were you were with us at the red sea were you parted the sea but are you here in the desert with us yeah you know their questions and grumbling was constant so what is the significance do you see in the water coming out of the rock
1: Mm -hmm. well jesus you know proclaims himself to be the living water later
0: on yes sir Mm -hmm.
1: About, about those who believe in him that that torrents of living water will rush out of them and so forth. So you know it's that I, I think it's symbolic of life. You gotta have water to live.
0: Yeah I think I saw something once that said that you can live without food for like 30 days. Right. But without water it's like seven.
1: Yeah or even less your, I think
0: dehydration just takes it shuts down all your organs. Yep. So, yeah, I
1: mean, one way to look at it is it's, yeah, I'm with you, and I'm the one who provides
0: life. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a picture, too. You know, God was there on the rock with with Moses and with the Israelites. You know, and one of the things that Jesus said when he was on the cross was, I thirst. Yeah. I'm thirsty. And here he is, the living water. But his body needed that water, too. And he said, I thirst. Um, and what did Jesus tell the Samaritan woman at the well? The same thing. You know, if you, here's, here's some water for you. But if, if you really wanted to know how to get living water, I can tell you how to do that. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. I have just a one or two other things. I, I thought it was interesting, if you look at numbers 20. Um, let me pull that up for a second. <clears throat> this is water from the rock again. Now they're in the last year of their traveling in the journey. They're probably in year 39 out of 40, or the, actually the year 40. But it said, in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of in again, and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community. I think they already knew that. <laughs> <laughs> and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron, they quarrel with Moses and Aaron and said, if we only had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord, why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of the meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them, the Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together, speak to that rock before their eyes, and I will pour out its water you will bring water out of the rock for the communities so that they and their livestock can drink. So what did Moses do?
1: He didn't follow instructions.
0: No, he didn't no.
1: follow instructions. Yeah. You're
0: talking now we're
2: here in a little bit. because. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded to him. He and Aaron gathered assembly in in, in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. <laughs> Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, where he showed himself holy among them. Yeah, I just find that interesting. Why, why would God tell them to speak to the rock instead of striking it? I, you know,
1: the thing that comes to my head is God does stuff through words, right? His word has power. And, you know, when he wanted to create things, he said, let there be, and it was. Right. So I think in a sense, it's, you know, this is kind of how he functions. It's it's the power of the word that that gets it done, not the not the whacking it with a stick.
0: But to me, this is so interesting because here's Moses being the leader of Israel for 40 years, put Mm -hmm. up with all their garbage out in the wilderness. And here's the last time that they put God to the test again, and Moses failed. And what happens with him? The same thing as what happened to all the other Israelites that entered 40 years ago. They didn't get to go into the right. promised land. Right. One <laughs> mistake, get at least, on Moses' part, <laughs> yeah. showed that maybe his faith wasn't quite as strong either, or he would just, sorry, but mad as hell with the Israelites. Yeah. Yeah. He said, I'm going to strike these rocks. <laughs> mm. Frustration level was high. I'm sure it was. Sure.
2: Well, and you wonder too if it's if it's just, or if a part of it would be his uh, muscle memory almost, right? Like he was, you know, well, this happened forty years ago, and I hit the rock. So apparently, I hit the rock, and it works. You know, right? And just failed to listen fully to the instructions, which again, sheep are silly. We don't always listen to instructions, do we?
0: Yeah, one last thing that I had on this, um, and then if you guys have any thoughts, we can we can close it up. But uh, I was reading in Deuteronomy six. If I don't know if you want to look at Deut- Deuteronomy six thirteen through sixteen. But this in Deuteronomy, this is Moses's comments to the Israelites when they're about to go into the Promised Land, and of course he's not going to get to go. But starting in verse 13, it says, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oath in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. And then here's the closing comment. Do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God in the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Mm-hmm. So one last time, he's going to tell the Israelites, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Where else did we hear that?
1: Ah, hmm. Somebody said
0: it. <laughs> said it to Who?
1: um yeah was that jesus talking to
0: satan in
1: the wilderness Yeah. exactly on maybe you know one of the one of the great um connections that i think a lot of christians don't always make is that that what jesus does echoes a lot of what happens in exodus yeah right but he actually does what he's supposed to do so so in a sense um, Jesus becomes Israel reduced to one, and he actually accomplishes what God was trying to do with the Exodus to begin with. Right. Um, I had a seminary professor, Reed Lessing, who's just terrific. Um, one of his great quotes was You know, God was able to get the Israelites out of Egypt, but he could never get Egypt out of the Israelites. <laughs> you know, that they carried with them all of this mucked up thinking about things that, you know, you talked about it earlier, Dave, about all the other gods and what influence it had on them. But, you know, it, it, it wasn't going to happen when it was left up to the Israelites to do it for themselves. It does happen when it's Jesus who steps in and does it for us. Right. Um, and, and I think that's pretty powerful.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe Jesus was thinking about all the testing he had to undergo when the Israelites, were out in the wilderness for those 40 sure. years. Yep. And told Satan, don't you put me to the test again. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, that's all I had. Cool. That's great, thanks, Dave. Um, any, any questions or any comments or?
1: No, I appreciate you taking the lead today. That was cool.
0: You're welcome. I enjoyed digging some of this out. Good stuff. Um, yep. You know, this weekend
1: I will be out of town Um, Pastor Spencer's filling in. Okay. Um, so if you want to make an announcement about this for this weekend, make sure Pastor Spencer knows and he can invite you up.
0: Okay. Well, since we're not having class next week, I thought I would do the following Sunday, which will be back for
1: that. Yep. And between the two of us, we'll remember that.
0: Right. Okay.
2: Um, the 13th is, is you pastor. Okay,
0: cool. I'm on it. Okay, are we, are we done then? I'll close with a prayer then. Go
1: ahead.
0: Heavenly Father, let us always trust you with all things. Let us trust your promises to sustain us and to hear our requests and prayers. And Lord, I would pray that you'd be with Cameron as he makes a decision which way to go with his life. And Lord, I just pray that you would make it clear to him and that your will would be done. Uh, and Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen.